0: And hey, welcome back to Fully Equipped, Jaywall, Wall, RB Gene, Cruz here, Sans Chris. I'm going to keep saying his name because eventually Chris is going to return to us, and we're going to be able to have our dynamic foursome. But for now, still three boys. How are we doing?
1: After the end of the week that I had last week, which involved some dead serious stomach flu. Uh, I am feeling like a million bucks. Uh, I was not feeling like that over the weekend. I'll tell you that it was uh, it was probably the most miserable experience. What they never tell you is you kind of forget that you're like, oh yeah, I still take care of the kids. <laughs> like I got two kids. They were sick. It's like oh yeah, I have to do that too while also being sick. It's not like I can just lay in bed and like not do anything, <laughs> which isn't fun either way.
0: Yeah, exactly. You got you got to take care of your own your own self, <laughs> and then you're like oh yeah, I got kids. They're also very important.
2: Dude, twinning. I got the same thing on Friday. Slam the whole weekend. That was just rough, rough. But got to watch some basketball. San Diego State, Final Four, baby. But this text. town's going nuts. Oh, so man. we are we are uh we are a little excited out here about our Aztecs and their uh so um I have this theory that san diego was built on a giant ancient indian burial ground and because this place is so beautiful to live they decided to curse us and never give us a sports championship in anything. And, it, it, and it was one of the saddest things ever when uh one of our local teams won the little league world series and they're like <laughs> little like 13 olds, they're like yeah we just wanted to bring a championship back to san diego <laughs> So Thanks, I'm, hoping that the curse get, I'm, I'm hoping that the curse gets broken and that the Aztecs can uh, win a national championship it, and we can have a little, we can have a little pride on our, uh, on our, on our sports city that um, doesn't quite live up to all the other aspects. That it, it, it wasn't
1: that long ago. Like Toronto was like considered one of the worst sports cities. And then the Raptors won. Uh, and I mean, the Jays yeah. kind of picked it up there a few years ago. They're not, they're doing, I think they're better again. Um, which is, I mean, they're looking forward to this season. Leafs still got that chance. We always say we got a chance, and then the TFC, TFC, which is the you know MLS team, they won I think three or four years ago as well. So we went from very very bad to at least the Raptors. The Raptors winning was like the biggest thing ever because I think you know it was desperately needed, and they had they had a great team that year.
2: Come on, Tampa Bay has a championship. I mean, it's you how many Canadians?
0: How many they were about to go team, for Jean. a threepeat? in the, in the playoffs. So, yeah.
2: So, okay. No, I, I got this is, this, is, this is the price that you pay for living and staying up on the positive side. You will just suffer through. Sports I don't want to hear any yeah. more
0: complaints from Gene in San Diego. That's, that's, that's enough. That's enough complaints. <laughs> if, if you have shitty sports teams, at least your weather is perfect. 99% of the year. Fair um, point. So I normally don't wait into the comments on our social media feeds, but I just happen to, over the weekend. And I noticed the, so last week on the pod, we talked about PXG's new gen six line. And one of the interesting things about it being that it's, it's golf clubs for everybody. You know, there, there doesn't really matter. It's all about the build and there are plenty of different ways to to get to that point, to get a well fit set of golf clubs. And you don't have to have men's and women's clubs to make that happen. But I was noticing some of the comments because we were talking about PXG and people, you know, going off about Bob and, and the PXG brand as a whole. And it made me wonder is, is PXG the most polarizing brand in golf? Cause I mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like people love it or they are, they are like wholly against PXG. It's, it's crazy. I, is do you, is there another brand out there that you can think of that has, that kind of a a swing from like pro pxg to anti-pxg
1: the only thing i can think of is cameron putters putters that's interesting but i always find like people are like they love them or they're like they're just like they're overhyped and they're just like normal pot they're just like putters that like have a a big brand attached to them and i think i i don't know i feel like that and the only other one that i can say would be nike because i think like at the time either you were like you love nike gear or you thought it was the worst thing ever and you're like, I'm never playing that. They just like, they're not not into like equipment. Uh, But uh, that would be my two. But other than that, I don't think there's really anything like other than I think again, PXG, I think is probably the one like just stands out mostly because not so much of the branding now, but probably the marketing over the last like three or four years.
2: Well, it's, it's rare that uh, you get, and I'm trying to think back and I'm drawing a blank where, the owner of the company is identified with the brand so closely. And that's what makes it unique. And Nowhere the, you else know, are you he's featured in that. the commercials. I mean, even, even when you had Nicholas Golf, you know, one of the greatest players of all times, he was still in the background for the most part. He wasn't, you know, front and center. And so, and, you know, Bob's Bob and Bob's got a strong personality. Bob is, you know, so... When you have a strong personality, you obviously people are going to come down on one side or the other of that. And um, yeah, I I think you're spot on on that. That uh, most companies are kind of risk averse as far as their brand is concerned. They you know they want to be available to everybody. And Bob's just like, we're the best. Buy it, you know. And and a good doing Bob so, actually. <laughs> it either uh it either you know you either buy into that or you don't but it is kind of a dividing line
1: i think and the other thing too like the only other brands that are really truly personified that i can think of um would be um like Vokey wedges which is under the title list anyways or again using scotty cameron putters because there's no other i mean maybe there's some like Bettinardi as well but i don't think they're really necessarily that like polarizing in any way and it's, you know, i don't think anyone <laughs> i haven't met a single human being on the planet that doesn't like bavoki um so it, i think it is i think it's that personification that really kind of has people go one way or the other but yeah i think uh, it is interesting cuz it, it, there is a physical person attached to that thing and and there's really not you don't really see that other than you know niche putter makers or yeah that's really it. <laughs> i'm trying to think of something else i'm kind of drawing a blank
0: I would say polarizing brands that come to mind for me beyond PHG, TaylorMade. I think TaylorMade really? in the last. Yeah. Well, so it's always very interesting guys. And I don't know if, if you notice this. I know Gene spends a ton of time on social media, so I'm sure he's, he's picked up on this, <laughs> but in all seriousness, any time that... I wish, I
2: wish, I yeah, I, I, know, I there, wish I'm there getting, was... I'm getting the double-barrel double bird. I wish there was a video right now. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Gene on social, that's... see what I'm that's. doing to J-Wall. Yeah,
0: yeah. But if you, if you go back to the Players Week, for example, when Rory made the comments about the driver and Colin Morikawa switches back to the sim, and if you went and looked around... And again, I say I don't look at the comments, but I did see some comments that week from people and they were, they were just absolutely dunking on TaylorMade and their forgiveness campaign. And well, you know, TaylorMade doesn't have to worry about it because they're just going to release five more drivers over the course of the year, which is, it hasn't even happened in, I mean, how many years, when was the last time TaylorMade released more than one driver model? I mean, they've, they've done their January release and, and that's that like they this is not the, you know, the previous years where they had stage two and jet speed and air burner and like all these different models were coming out. But for whatever reason, people still think of TaylorMade as that company that's releasing five different driver models per year. So I think that they do have a pretty like polarizing crowd. It's like you've got the like really pro TaylorMade group. But then you have those that that anytime there is any sort of like cracks in the foundation, they're like just pointing them out and screaming on social. It's it's crazy. But TaylorMade to me is that one that also has, uh, like I would say, they're pretty polarizing.
2: So uh, here's my
1: critique. Oh, to use that example, Jonathan, like back at the players, uh, like looking at my Instagram, and I'm not like a big like, oh, I got so many likes on like whatever, because I know I post like all kinds of random junk. Um, but when I posted that Colin had switched back to the SIM from like one of the tweets that I had posted, it has 6,000. What is it? I'm looking at it right now. Six thousand seven. over 6,700 likes. And it was like, why my phone just so like, kept the algorithm
0: off. picked that up. Yeah. Something. And yeah. It was it something about that.
1: Even like tiger's baggage that Genesis only had, let me see here. 1500. I'm like, Whoa, what the hell happened? And it's like, is it because like it got like a quick response or was it because of the players? And I, I don't, ta- I don't even use hashtags. Like it's not like, I like think it it's because he something. changed
0: back to an old, an old driver. I think people just love that. They love when they see a guy going back to old product because more often than not, a lot of golfers aren't playing the newest driver out there. They're probably playing, you know, the previous years or a couple, you know, versions back. So anytime it's like, oh yeah, he's playing my driver now and then everybody, everybody goes crazy but it it is interesting to me people still have this perception of TaylorMade as a company that's churning out all this product every year when in actuality they come out with one you know one line in January and they might have you know a different you know a different wedge that comes out in a, in another finish or you know maybe maybe another putter but probably not that's not something they've been doing recently but that's what people think of when they think of TaylorMade is a company that continues to churn out product from You know going back a decade so
2: i would make i would make the argument that this is a classic example and it's not just in golf equipment or golf it's in general that you have a very small minority that 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 states something and then larger platforms pick up on that said minority and broadcast that throughout the universe and it's it's you got a few cranks living in their mother's basement rambling about you know uh, because you Be know careful you they're going to come after Eugene. Well, I love the cranks, baby. Come on, but it, it, it's uh, uh, y- you know it, it, everybody has a right to their opinion. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I do think we pick up on opinions, especially opinions that are controversial, and then larger platforms project mm-hmm. that as truth. When I think the majority. I mean, from my opinion, ninety-nine percent of the time, I don't hear anything controversial about TaylorMade. Any, I mean, the only thing controversial about these companies, which was really interesting to watch, was how they were going to navigate Live, and they were all a little bit pregnant on Live. They were like, "Well, this guy's kind of playing on our staff. Uh, maybe not, but you know, nobody wanted to go out because nobody." Um, all these companies are risk averse. They want to keep going business as usual. So, um, you know, a few comments here or there on social media. I don't know. I don't know how much weight you can put on that as to a overall zeitgeist. You know, towards a certain company.
0: Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. So I wanted to, wanted to get your opinion. Let's get into some more interesting topics here. So, RB, I know you've been doing some research on the majors. This one in particular is in terms of historical significance for gear. This year's masters. If you, if you look back at the anniversaries is a big one for, for one guy in particular, that'd be Bernhard longer. Longer was the last major winner to win with a persimmon driver. And he really, I mean, people we've talked about it before. Yeah, you know, I will say that Tiger Woods put Scotty Cameron on the map. But Bernard Longer was the first guy to win with a Cameron putter. And then that sort of like spawned off into this look at like major winners in the last what what did you say? The last 40 major winners, mallet versus blade. And it
1: actually yeah.
0: was way more interesting than I thought it would be.
1: Yeah, I so because of longer winning with this blade and Rory changing back to a blade style putter, I, I got really curious about blades versus mallets Cause we've seen, um, we've seen a lot of, a lot of stuff from Hideki putting and like he refuses. And I've said this, I've said this on social. I'll say it here again. Someone needs to get, I know he's got like this crazy collection of like Scotty camera putters and he uses basically a Newport two style putter forever. And yes, he won the masters with it. But, like God, his putting stats are so freaking terrible. They are awful. Like, just look look at something different, please, for like a week. Just try. Don't have Not all these happen. tees and someone putting a, a nickel on your top line of your putter and rolling back and doing this. It's like, it's unbelievable. Like, get out of your own freaking head and do something different for, like, goodness sake. But, anyways, it got me onto this blade versus this map. the most fired up I've ever putter. heard you, RB. It's just like, I want the like, – His ball striking, you look at his stats, his driving and his ball striking and his short game is very good. It's good. But like, for some reason, like his strokes and putting is like negative two on the season. I think it is something like that. And I'll, you know what, I'll correct myself at some point when someone's talking, I'll look at the stat to be specific because I'm kind of pulling it. But the last time I looked, it was really bad. Um, but it got me thinking about blades versus malice at major championships because, um, if you look at the tour, Mallets have actually picked up a huge amount of steam. I would say they, they probably occupied less than 20% of the tour, uh, maybe a decade ago. And now they're, I think they're closing it on, they're probably around 50%. Um, if you look at like just overall general use, not, not just winners, but general use. And so, but how does this relate to the, to the, ma- the majors, obviously the masters, uh, this marks the, I guess what, 30 years since Bernard Long run with the Scotty Cameron. And then you also have the, there's just the, like, again, that, that blade versus balance. So looking at the, the numbers over the last 40 men's majors. Now, the reason I say that is there was no open championship in 2020. So I added an extra year going back to when Ernie Els won, which was pretty sick. I watched like 15 minutes of the, uh, like him winning. And then Scott really, that was awful, but then he won the master's extra. So that's fine. <laughs> at least he got that like redemption, but of the last 40 men's majors, blades have been used. 28 out of 40 versus 12 in mallets. And that is disproportionate to what you would think based on usage, especially over the last 10 years, thinking of mallets. And yes, there are a couple uh, run winners with uh, like Brooks Kepka, who won four, uh, and Spieth won a couple. But other than that, it's a pretty open field over the last and i mean there's only one one tiger win 2019 so it's not like there was this big run of tiger wins where you just used that scotty Cameron the whole time so i thought it was pretty interesting and i i think it's because putting is so like it's it's already a, like a, a key point when it comes to winning a tournament i still think some of the best players in the world use blade putters now yes we've seen the data we've seen that mallets do help a lot of players get better it kind of raises that ceiling but I still believe that looking at this and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty large sample size of 10 years that the best putters are going to gravitate towards blade putters because just like ball striking in blades, I think there's this feel element there that there there's just, when you get on these fast greens and you're looking at touch putts and you're looking at lag putting, I think some of the best are, are, are going to gravitate towards that. And I, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on that.
2: Gene hundred percent feel i mean that's that's it right there you nailed it and and it's it's that uh the responsiveness the you know it's it's kind of interesting it's kind of the same reason that they play blades you know that they want to know when their miss is and they want to know what that contact is and here's the other interesting aspect to it you know Really good players and tour players, especially on really, really fast downhill putts, will hit the ball off the center, usually towards the toe to slow the putt down with the same stroke. And on a mallet, you're going to get more forgiveness, so you're not going to be able to control that as much as you can on a blade. So by going to a blade and hitting it off center, you're going to slow that golf ball down and be able to regulate that a little bit more easily. But it's 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 a feel and it's a feedback, I think, that, um, you know. Uh, the way I always equate tour players and putters is it's kind of like guitars. And I, I don't play a guitar, but if you put a guitar in front of me and I will strum it, and then you play, give me, you know, the best you know, uh, lead guitar from the top band. I'm not going to be able to tell the difference, but an elite guitarist really can and and really can sense the subtleties of that. And that's what it comes down to with these tour players is they really have a sense of almost every aspect of that putter and what it does and how it presents and how it delivers the ball on a direction and a velocity basis. So that under pressure, They know when they can count on it and what it will do. Whereas a mallet, it's not a dramatic difference, but it's enough of a difference that it just adds another calculation that I think, quite honestly, they don't want to have to worry about.
0: So while you were were talking about blades and mallets, I went and looked at the official world golf rankings and just looked at the top 15 in the world. I mean, because look, at a major, if we're going to to target who's going to win, who has the best chance to win, it's likely going to be one of those guys in the top 15. I mean, those those are, the, you know, in a NCAA tournament, those are the blue bloods. So those, those are the picks that you're going to have, all the shortest odds, but they're the best putters. What percentage of those guys, and I, I don't know if you've looked, what percentage of the top 15 do you think use mount versus a blade?
1: Is it what seventy percent? I haven't looked. So I'm. It's I'm, almost 50-50.
0: It's almost 50-50. So you're you're looking mm. at you're looking at eight guys who are using a mallet versus seven guys who are using a blade. Um, it, it, this is going to come off as a really really terrible take, but I'm going to I'm going to just say it anyway. I think if you look at the guys that have that have uh, that currently use blades, I think they're guys that are confident with the putter. Now, John Rahm's a probably a, a pretty terrible example because he's been red hot this year and he uses a Rossi An Odyssey White Hot OG Rossi S. But I just I look at guys that have switched to mallets and it's typically guys that used to be blade users that are struggling and so they need that more stability in the mallet and so they make the switch. And I think at the majors you just have to be that guy with the putter. You have to be confident on the greens. And typically in this, again, could be a terrible take, but if you look at all the guys that have won majors, you know, in the blade category, those are guys that are really, you know, what confident with, with the putter. And I don't think that they feel the need to have to use a mallet. I think mallets are great. I think they have a lot of benefits, especially for weekend golfers, because, Weekend golfers don't get on the putting green near as much as a pro. So they don't get the time to groove their stroke and to work on impact consistency. You know, pros still miss the heel and the toe, but they don't miss it to the same degree as an amateur golfer. So I think that they can get away with with using those putters. But I just, I don't know. I that's again, it could be a terrible take, but I just think that the reason that there's more blade winners on there over the last 40. 40 odd major winners is because a lot of those guys are just really, really confident with the putter and they just don't feel, they've never really felt the need to change. They've been blade guys and they've had success with it. So, you know, had success in the majors. So why change?
1: So well, looking you know, at, you know, Oh, I was going to say just to, just to like, just to create some context. So looking at Hideki stats really quick, and I know people are going to look this up probably one way or the other. Um, his, his overall ranking is actually not that bad. Um, but his strokes gained putting puts him 68th on tour, which is, you know, like a little bit below field average. But where his putting is not doing great right now is from inside three feet. He is ranked 196th on tour, which is insane as a top 25 player in the world uh, when it comes to putting, inside three feet. Inside three feet, he's ranked 196th. Inside four feet, he's ranked 137th. And as he gets out and then putting from around six feet, he's 135 again or 134. So that is where he's obviously struggling. And I think, and and this is where I'm I'm gonna like again draw like a conclusion here. He's always got that toe up on his putter a little bit, and I just think his alignment. He just you know you're not talking about a lot of velocity. So direction wise, once you get a little squirrely on those short ones, it's uh, it's not pretty. Um, but yeah, so again, I don't want to don't want to go too much on Hideki's putting just in general, but I think it's a it's a pretty interesting one to look at because overall his putting's not actually that bad. It's his short putts are really really not very good. And that's where that's where uh, Rory
0: was struggling too. I mean, that was one of the things when I started looking at stats for him after he made the change to the the double o nine m Cameron putter in Austin. He was, I think, in the like one thirty three from from four to eight feet. I mean, he was, he was down near the bottom and I mean, that's where, if you, if you think about it, that's where you make your money on Sunday. If you can make those putts from, from eight feet and in, and you're up there near the top of the leaderboard, chances are you're probably gonna have a chance to win, but that's where Rory has really struggled. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's important to go look at those stats to see where guys are because yep. Again, those are the money makers.
1: I think, and the well, other thing too, so I broke this down from Blade and Mallet, but I also broke it down by Brand, and this is where, I know this will bleed into our next topic here, so uh, Scotty Cameron, he did have Mallet's win as well, because Justin Thomas, uh, so just, Scotty Cameron, putters won 19 of the 40, Odyssey won 8, Taylor made 6, Ping 2, Bettinardi 2, Seymour 1, shout out ZJ, Sick, uh, Bryson shampoo and Nike, Rory. The one with the 006 prototype method, um, which which was at an open championship. The one that stands out of all of these, like, yes, considering made, I think all of those were with, or three of those were with Spiders, and then two were Colin Moore and Coward, and one was uh, Justin Rose with a ghost counterbalance blade. The the one that does stand out is Ping, because one was Martin Keimer, and then the second one was Bubba Watson. Both with like answer styles, and obviously the answer style I wouldn't know is like Scotty Cameron Newport or Newport Two is an answer and an answer two style. Like it's a ping, it's a ping design original. Like let's be very clear on that. Um, but ping only has two, which kind of shocking considering like you know their history is built on, um, on putters.
2: Well, it, you know one of the things that I was going to say um, that would make it statistically, I think significant is if you took your same uh, methodology and backed it out to the top 10 of each tournament, because then now you're getting interesting and now you can start to see if you're seeing, I mean, I just gave you a ton more work, but, but if, if you could do, if you could yeah, I got to write things more than it. these parts. I got to write a bunch of articles this week. I can't do that. <laughs> but I but you know, you got me curious because if if you get a top 10 then uh you know top 10s for the last 20 years majors now suddenly you've got trend lines and you you know you 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 you, you could potentially – and i'd just be curious if your hypothesis is correct or if what jay wall saw is correct that you know it's it's just it's a 50-50 mix um i don't know i don't know the answer to it but i think that that uh, top ten finishes would probably give you a little bit clearer uh, idea as to um, if you know which hypothesis is true. Now, just Gene, I will say coming from a, coming from a data guy.
1: Now, I will say, speaking of, of trend lines, uh, one thing that has been number one for a really long time is <laughs> golf pride with grips. Oh, uh,
2: well played. Thanks for the setup, well there, played. Gene. I really appreciate
1: that. And uh, you know, golf pride. Is they do have putter grips as well, but I'm talking full swing grips here uh, at the moment. Um, a grip just isn't a grip. It's a performance part of your equipment. and It's the only physical connection you have between you and your clubs, and it has to feel comfortable. It has to offer the traction that you want. It has to offer the durability that you want so you get not only the experience of impact, but you get shock resistance when you happen to miss it, and studies prove That when you have new grips, you're able to grip the club more confidently, you're able to swing more freely, and you're actually able to gain yardage off the tee, which is also helpful. And another thing too, speaking of all kinds of these different materials and all kinds of stuff, Golf Pride has all kinds of options. you got the MCC and the Z grip, which is corded or hybrid cord technologies, means cord in the upper hand. No cord in the lower hand for extra comfort on that hand where you're not wearing a uh, wearing a glove. Then you have something that is designed for ultimate comfort, like the CPX and the CP2. Now CPX is their softest performance group ever that offers maximum comfort to reduce group tension, pressure, and lead to uh hopefully more fluid swing. They don't uh they're not they are not going to guarantee that you're gonna have a better golf swing, but they're gonna guarantee that you're gonna do it more comfortably, that's for sure. And the CP2, which is a wrap style design, which offers, again, a lot of uh, shock reduction or shock, shock absorption in those grips, um, including some inner stabilizers. So you get, um, a lot of that soft grip, but you're not going to get something where it's going to feel like it's torquing in your hands a lot now for fully equipped listeners. This one's important. You go to golfpride.com and use the code fully equipped. You will get free shipping on your next order at golfpride.com. Golf, G-O-L-F-P-R-I-D-E.com. Use the code fully equipped, F-U-L-L-Y-E-Q-U-I-P-P-E-D. That will get you free shipping on your next order. And that is available for all orders of the United States. And there is no minimum purchase required. So you want to try a couple different grips before you make your pick? Or if you want to just load up for the season, you can do it either way. And not only do they have those all those awesome performance grips that I mentioned, they do have putter grips as well. So be sure to head over there and check it out. Thanks, Golf Pride. Thanks,
2: Gene, for setting that one up too. Appreciate it. My pleasure, my man. My pleasure.
0: We spent a lot of time talking about putters, but I did want to bring up one product launch for this week. Ping announced their new ping slam pld limited putters the putters this is, this is a pretty cool idea so if if you've been following some of the things ping has been doing with their pld line they released a limited version called the pld answer patent 55 it was to celebrate the 55 year anniversary of the answer patent which is you know you, you could argue is maybe i mean it's, it's the most important patent in on the putter side in golf top two or three, in my opinion, most important patents in the history of the game. I mean, everybody is using an answer putter nowadays, all the manufacturers (laughs) have, have one. And for whatever reason, people are always like, Oh, that's a, that's a Cameron or it's what, you know, whatever brand it is. And it's like, no, it, it was before it was that it was a ping, but ping set a record, or I guess I should say they, they made history in 1988. They're the last company to win all four majors with one of their putters. Sandy Lyle at the Masters, Curtis Strange at the U.S. Open, Seve Ballesteros at the Open Championship, and Jeff Sluman at the PGA. Um, It hasn't been done since. So it's 35 years. uh, A putter company has not claimed all four majors in the same calendar year. So Ping celebrating it by creating replica versions fully milled replica versions of these putters and the first one that's going to be coming out on Tuesday of Masters week, which is next week. Thank God cannot get here soon enough. This is an excruciating week. Yeah, RB's got the Masters. Got the Masters visor on, looking looking fresh. But this is a cool launch and I like the fact that they're going to be releasing some of these putters because the the Pal that sandy lyle used the pal 2 and the zing 2 those are not putter models that you're going to see in the ping lineup anymore those those have all since been retired so it's a it's a cool it's a cool launch i like it the putters have a eye-watering price tag though 990 bucks limited to just 88 pieces per drop so they're going to be dropping the tuesday of every major at 2 p.m. Eastern, but it's, I mean, would you guys agree? Have you seen the putters? They look pretty cool, but the price tag is, I mean, you gotta want one for 990 bucks.
2: Well, the way collectibles go, they're probably gonna be worth five grand in uh, five years or something like that, so. They sold out
0: the, I I mean, you're right. The patent Answer Patent 55 sold out in like three minutes. Each, Each one of the drops, they had four drops for those in different finishes, different head materials. So yeah, I would agree. I think I think people aren't even going to blink. They're going to click buy, and all eighty eight are going to be gone just like that. I think
1: uh, ping ping exists in this like weird, not weird space, but this, this unique space where there's such an established brand that like when they do something really cool and they definitely kind of up their game. I know there's they're, they're they've kind of changed a lot of the way they've, they've marketed things, um, as far as you know, limited releases and things like that. Um, but because they're an established band brand people are like oh yeah it's it's from ping right versus like you know i know supreme's been around or other like brands been around it's like oh here's a new t-shirt that's you know five hundred dollars something silly um but what i think they've really done is they've you know they focused on the core of their brand right when people think of like you know what sells a lot of you know the, the mustang and the charger and these cars that like people are are have been aware of for a very long time and by going back to their history and and like using these these putters that are really iconic style like putter styles and tying them to moments and then doing something unique when it comes to the manufacturing they're not just casting them again they're going through this high end process i think that's where they've really kind of unified like new manu- like new manufacturing techniques as a way to create something that's really cool and like high precision but also kind of brought it back to history and i think that's where they excel at these these limited edition drops and they don't do like 500 they do generally let you say less than 100 which i think really does kind of make them special versus no offense to like some other brands but you see stuff where it's like we made a thousand of these to replicate like somebody's win and you're like well it's actually the same as like i can just buy off the shelf and like no one who's going to use this like cardboard box like no one cares Um, the last time I can think of something that was like that would have been not the cardboard box thing, but the other one would have been when Mizuno celebrated a hundred year anniversary, they did MP 33s, but they call them MP 100s. And they had this wood box in a case and they were like, I think it's like $1,600. And they, they, I mean, they did a hundred sets worldwide or something like that, or maybe a thousand sets, but it wasn't a lot. Um, and they sold those out because again, it was like heritage, but also kind of focusing on something that is new. And I think that that's kind of the key when it comes to these long established companies. And I think Pings nailed it with these, this release.
0: The PAL is also a trivia question. Do you know? Do you know the significance of the Pal beyond being the putter that started this major run for Ping in 1988?
1: Is it has to do with the name?
0: No. It was used, I, it was used for another significant win?
1: I don't know. And I'm usually pretty good with like Ping history, but like I actually am, I'm completely stumped or I'm, I have no clue what you're going to say here.
0: <laughs> Al Guyberger used a Pal when he shot 59 in 1977 in memphis so pal has the pal has a, a pretty pretty impressive resume it's got over 100 100 tour wins has four major wins and then it was also used by guy Berger to shoot the 50, the first 59 on the pga tour so interesting yeah there you go there, there's your, there's your bit of a random golf trivia for the day
1: other um, than the answer i think my favorite's the my day which is like known as like the the facts and style butter.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I like the pal. The Pal's got a good shape to it. Um, I almost forgot when we're talking about releases. The other major release this week, Mira. Hello.
1: Yeah how do we how do we not touch on this?
0: Well, I think I think it was as we were talking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's right, Mira. So for everybody that hasn't been on social recently, the Adam Scott mirror irons, the ones that he started using last year. At Memorial, they're now coming to, to. I shouldn't say they're coming to retail. They're going to be available. So Mira and Adam Scott announced a collaboration, very similar to the collab that Mira had with Jack Nicholas. And they're bringing the Adam Scott Irons, a carbon copy that they're calling the AS One Signature Iron. They're going to bring them out. There is no, you know, they're they're not limiting, it, kind of like the, the Ping release they're not limiting it to a certain number of sets what you have to do though if you want these and this is this is what i love about this because everybody says oh i really want those irons i wish they'd come out well put your money where your mouth is because you got to make a deposit on these if you want if you if you want to do a pre-order and it's a non-refundable 500 hundred dollar deposit these irons it's three through pitching wedge you can get them customized to your own specs, but the the head design is totally Adam Scott's idea, and it's based off the irons he has in the bag currently. But these irons, three through, through pitching wedge, are, are thirty-seven fifty. So you're gonna you're gonna need you're gonna need to pony up some cash. But the Nicholas irons went crazy fast. I expect that they're probably gonna run out of. Of orders on these, but they're not saying how many orders they're going to take in. I'm pretty sure as long as you're willing to put down 500 bucks, you're going to get a set. And then if you do, they're saying they're going to start, um, sending out sets towards the the end of the year, maybe in the fall. And they also come in a cool box, but I don't really think people care about the, the box. I think they care more about the irons inside.
1: Just a note. I don't know how many messages you got, but on um, to the people on social media, I will not split a half set with you. No i'm sorry as much as i do love them i'm not gonna be playing Some, half did somebody ask you to split a half set rb i had multiple people say like hey you want like the <laughs> i think it was mostly kidding but i thought it was pretty uh, funny i was like no i'm that's good funny. I'm you did good. write a story about half sets recently so maybe that's
0: maybe that's what it was
1: i think I that's know. probably what it was yeah but there's a cool that's video funny. like i watched the i watched the scott Mira video that uh that Mira did and yes i know people know funny because like sometimes people think we're, we're homers ramira because it's we're under the same kind of umbrella brands at i don't really like, i don't care i, I, we I literally almost care. forgot about talking about to put today which is really funny yeah um yeah. but like watching him go through the factory is i just think it's cool i love watching the like the way that they like literally hammer the hell out of metal and make a golf club i just think it's cool i want to see like titanium drivers be made and stuff like that but um i want to go over this, there and see like, it in person this, just to see there and like watch one of these presses just come down and be like, man, that would just rip your finger right off.
0: So what what was your if somebody would have said, what does the mirror factory look like, would it would would it have looked like anything that you saw in that video? That blew me away. It's so old school. There's tarps all over the place. Um, I mean, it's it looks it's a it's a it's a proper factory. It's of, not of all- it's not crazy clean or anything like that. I mean, they got Adam Scott on the grinding wheel and it's, it's not like he's in this pristine room. I mean, it, it feels like a factory
1: of all the things and I, I'm sure Gene and you've probably walked through more manufacturing facilities overseas, but like the, the thing that the one thing that stood out for me and I've seen like forging presses and all this stuff, but they tumble the heads in individual chambers in those like things they don't put them into the big vats and like do like the large tumble where the heads can possibly hit each other they put them into these little, and it's like i don't know it's probably like seven minutes into the video or something like that they like open up this like egg carton thing and they put the heads in individual like water tumble baths and they add the beads and they close them up again and then they put the next thing on and they just rip them around this like freaking washing machine thing and i'm like i've never i've never seen iron be tumbled like that. i've seen tumbled finishes would they go through like the vibration tumbler and they're just thrown in there? But I've never seen them in a one by one. I thought no, that takes extra time, and that's where you know you get that precision, which I think is pretty cool. That to me was like I know the grinding; everyone loves the grinding. I think it's really cool. I grind I grind wedges. I'm not saying I'm as good or at, even up to that level, but I know how to grind golf clubs. But to have a machine that just does like individual clubs, like doing the buffing part, I thought that was freaking cool.
2: Well, and you know, especially factories in Asia. Uh, you know, as opposed to China, I mean, no knock on China, but they're more mass produced. But, you know, I've said it on this pod before and I say it uh, out of admiration is the Japanese have OCD and they just, they apply it to um, their manufacturing uh, quality. And when you go over there and you see the way that they approach uh not only their process but also their rejection like aesthetics is so critical and what they go through in inspecting a piece to make sure that it is perfect it's it's on another level compared to what we're used to as Americans i mean they really really uh take great pride in making sure that the pieces that they deliver are um, as good as they can be, as they can be. And
1: the, the, the thing that the one thing that I love, and I've seen mirror videos before they, there's one um, that was produced, I think five or six years ago. Uh, but the one, the one little like bit that I love was like, they talked to uh, Mr. Mirasan and he's like how, like kind of the origin of the company in the factory really quickly. And he's like, I worked at this other manufacturer and every day, They'd bring in this big log of persimmon and we'd cut it down and we'd cut it into blocks, making persimmon wood at this other factory. And I looked over and I saw people grinding and I saw sparks flying on the metal and they were grinding club heads. And I said, I want to do that. And then he learned to do that and then eventually opened up his own factory. And all I could think of was, I just could not imagine like, Oh yeah, where you were a, a golf club factory? Yeah. What do you do? We take freaking trees and turn them into golf clubs. <laughs> it's like, okay i mean that's where it started that's kind of i mean that to me that was like of all the things that for the reasons of like where it started it was like yeah i didn't really like cutting the wood as much because it didn't spark and i like the metal over there and that's like you know as we say like i'm drawn to shiny things and, and fire <laughs> it's like yeah i guess me too
0: we all are we just we just want to see you know that iron that's in our bag we want to see how it's made that's the coolest part I think through all my years in this industry the the coolest part is seeing the production process because it's unlike anything that you would you could ever imagine. like going into going into the titles ball plant for the very first time and watching how the, the like the Pro v ones made it gives you a new it gives you an appreciation for those golf clubs because it's easy in this industry to just be like, yeah, a golf club's a golf club. So there's a lot. There's a lot of incredible processes that have to be done for some of these clubs to, to bring them to life. Anyway, um, something else that I wanted to discuss. in Arby, I think you had a couple of questions about this. I had a couple of questions about this on social. So Rory McIlroy made some equipment changes last week at the match play. He should. I mean, he should have ended up in that final. I don't know how. I don't know how he let it get away from him at the end. He's two up with. With three a of play, and he just started leaking oil. And then that was that. But he does look like he's primed to make a run at the Masters, which is the last leg of the career grand slam for him. We obviously mentioned that he's changing putters. He also changed driver shafts. And I think this is a topic that really piqued the interest of a lot of, of real, like, serious gearheads because Rory was playing a Fujikura Ventus black and the Ventus line has three different profiles. You have the red, which is the high, the highest launching. You have the blue, which is the mid launch. and Then you have the black, which is the low launch, low spin. So obviously Roy is, is one of the, you know, has one of the fastest club head speeds on the PGA tour. It seems pretty obvious. He's going to be a black guy, but he ends up in the Ventus TR which is a little bit more substantial than the original Ventus as we as we showed in that video where RB was testing all three of the new TR shafts so not only does Rory go from the black to the blue profile in his tit- in his sorry titles in his tailor-made Stealth 2 plus driver but he goes to a shorter length he goes from 44 and a half to 44 and i was watching cuz i was i was curious i actually talked to him and I watched him on Tuesday up close during during a little friendly match with Tommy Fleetwood. And he was just hitting missile after missile. And then during the telecast, I looked and he was cruising at like 186 ball speed. And I people noticed too. And they said, well, how is that possible? How is it possible that a guy can go from like the lowest launching, lowest spinning profile to a mid launch, cut down the shaft, and he doesn't skip a beat? with ball speed. He's, if anything, Rory was probably hitting it further than he normally does. I mean, he flew the green on 18. He flew it almost 350 yards. He, you know, rolls it up to three feet on 18. Brad Faxon called it, you know, one of the greatest drives of all time. You know, he hits it over 400 yards on the back nine on a, again, downhill par par five, but he clears the cart path. You know, and it does make you wonder, like, how, do, how does a guy do that? Because typically everything we've always heard is if you go from the, you know, lowest launching, lowest spinning, and you're a high speed guy and you go to a mid launch shaft and you cut down the shaft, yeah, you're going to pick up some stability and some consistency from, from an impact perspective, but you're going to lose speed. That's sort of That's sort of the trade-off between going shorter, which then brings up the question, which is how the heck does a guy do that? How the heck does he go from a, you know, low launch, low spin to mid launch, cut down the shaft and not skip a beat with the ball speed.
1: I think from, from a, and you actually, you know, I'll kind of tee up for this gene is like center contact is more ball speed, um, plain and simple. And if he's creating more efficiency, if he feels more comfortable swinging the driver, he's going to hit it in the center more. And that's basically plain and simple going to create more, more ball speed. I will say, we're gonna talk about the greatest drives in history. Yes, it's really cool, blah, blah, blah. not like some match play event, but still the greatest drive in history probably has to belong to him. No, I'm not saying Dustin Johnson Nick Applewood. That was just a freak ball. Doesn't matter. But the 1960 drive from Arnold Palmer, where he drove it on the green at Cherry Hill with a freaking persimmon and go on to goes on to win the US Open. So if we're talking about greatest drives in history. Let's go back to like you know something that like really mattered. Okay, Not, Well, there's
0: recency you know, bias there. I mean, he's might he's be some recency bias, game. but yeah. anyways,
1: yeah, yeah. a th- 300 yard drive with persimmon on the first hole, of the U.S. Open. We'll probably take that with a big comeback win. But uh, yeah, center as you, you know, you do face map drivers, Gene Center contacts is by far the most efficient. It doesn't it doesn't matter what length it's at.
2: Yeah, I, I I was trying to think, and the the other thing that I was thinking about is by going from forty five and a half to forty, you know, and and this is just conjecture because I don't know if it's true or not. But if they tip that shaft, in other words, cut it off from the tip, you're actually going to make that shaft that he went into a little bit stiffer, that is closer in profile potentially, whereas just cutting down his current shaft um, could potentially stiffen it up beyond where he wanted to be and you know that's just that's just a guess on that. but if the ball speed numbers, you know, one of the things that I'm always careful about in sports and golf in particular, anecdotal information like you see a couple of drives but you know were his ball speeds truly faster or equal than they were you know the last time he teed it up because you know anyone can can stripe a ball here or there but you know over the totality of the number of drives that he plays over those four days but you know, nor know whenever he had that club in play does that equal? But if it does, I go to RB's point. It's just uh there's there's a reason that he wanted to go shorter. He wanted to control his drives a little bit better. He's the longest driver out there, and we've talked about this <laughs> and it goes back to our conversation, which we're not going to get into, but uh, you know, about pullbacks and, and distance control. And it's like to me, it's a self-regulating uh force that these guys want uh even the even the longest leading driver on the tour wants a little bit more consistency wants to be able to control it and hit it in the fairway because at that length he's realized he's probably missed a few scoring opportunities when the ball's gone sideways and he's had a miss it's it's crazy like i think back
1: you know I just, I've been messing around with drivers heading into this season like anyone else. And just, you know, I'm trying to figure out what that one is. And I'm playing drivers right now, at like 45 and three quarter inches. That's kind of like what I've been testing for a long time. And yes, I see club head speed go up and, you know, trying all these different things. But it wasn't that long ago that Bryson was like, you know, he kept dangling that carry. He never I'm did. He so was glad like, I'm going to go 50 inches, bro. I'm going to go 50 inches, bro. And he like never brought it out. Um and so like, cause he even, he realized like 48 inches, like we're already like, we're already getting real close to like stupid. <laughs> like if I miss one at this ball speed, it's going to go out the planet, which I mean, he's done that mind you at the Ryder cup, he hit some freaking unreal drives that like were crazy, like insane, like literally insane how far and how accurate they went basically. Um, but you no, know, from 50 inches, 50 inches to 44 inches. Is well, simple math six inches of difference between like what a potential long drive could have been like a couple of years ago before the USJ put the cap at 40 or the PGA Tour or whatever. I like, don't you know, they did model local role for the PGA Tour is like 46 inches. I think it's 40, yeah, 46 inches. But to think that they did that and then, you know, Rory's going back to 44, it just goes to show like efficiency really matters. And I think this is where we see it. I don't think you're not going to hit it longer. I actually had this little mini discussion with Frank, not to name drop, but Frank Navalo kept saying like amateurs hit their three, woods better. And I'm like, eh, it's not really true. Like they're not more forgiving, like by any means. And I was trying to explain that to him. So next time I see Frank at a, at a PJ tour event, we're going to have a conversation, like a nice conversation. We actually ended like cordially um, on Twitter, but I was saying like, let me like help you understand like the physics of this a little bit. But the idea is that you make slightly better contact because you have a shorter golf shaft for players that aren't as consistent you have a way bigger face on the driver. So you kind of put those two together on a driver that's say 44 inches and you're already swinging the damn thing to create almost one ninety ball speed. You can, like you're going to hit it more solid. And the other thing too, is a longer golf, And this is kind of like the, the, here we go. This, this part for the sickos as the club gets longer, the tendency is to be more shallow. So as Rory said, he drops it behind him and it comes from the inside. And that's where you see that the miss right or left, because it comes down to a timing thing because it's shallow and you're starting to hit up on the ball, a longer shaft is generally going to go up more. And you're going to create more dynamic loft because the shaft wants to droop a little bit one way and then the other just based on the like what happens at um, centrifugal force kind of causes the shaft droop. So as it's drooping and the club is creating dynamic loft at impact, less dynamic loft by a shorter golf shaft creates less droop. And by doing that, if there's less loft delivered, it's just a more... Solid hit creates more ball speed. So if you're just slightly less droop, a little less loft on the driver, but he's still actually creating this almost the same dynamics, but just craving that shorter shaft, you're probably going to see a percentage uptick in uh ball speed, even a clubhead speed is down because you're creating that slightly higher efficiency. So that right there is for the sicko's. But that is what creates something from a dynamics perspective and not just from, obviously, center-face contact. Because if you hit center-center, it's the same, but you have lower loft of one driver, that one driver with lower loft is going to create faster ball speed.
2: I, yeah. I, I agree. One yeah. one thing in Navalo's defense, amateurs do hit their three woods further at slower speeds. And it's all yes. due to launch and spin characteristics. Yeah. So we actually Good. ran that test for golf.com and proved that. So uh, he is correct up to a certain point. Um, and then after about 85 miles an hour or so, um, the driver starts to win out. But if you're below 85 miles an hour, either go to a high lofted driver in 11, 12, 13 even, or use your fairway. Would. Yep. Little, little tip there.
0: And RB, you're your explanation there checks out with what Tony Finau saw when he went from 45 and a quarter to 44 and 3 quarters it's just it was the efficiency of it and being more efficient allowed him to, to actually get get more distance in the long run so uh, anyway that i think that's a great explainer for those out there that were wondering how do you get you know either maintain or gain speed if you're trying to go shorter with the driver now these are the best players in the world so you know, also take that into consideration. And some of them might are have also really fast. You might have
1: an outlier situation.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean Tony Fino and, and Rory can both send it. So anyway. All right. Last topic. As I mentioned, this is the week before the Masters. It is the most painful week of the year because everybody just wants. I mean, unless you're, you know, the, you know, you work for Valero or you're you're, you know working for the tournament this week or you're a local everybody just wants this tournament to be over so we can start focusing on on master's week and one of the i will say one of the interesting things about valero is the fact that it, it tends to be one of the windiest tournaments of the year san antonio this time of the year it's pretty unpredictable i remember probably like uh, seven or eight years ago i was covering the tournament when i still worked for the pga tour and they had a wind advisory that stopped play. I mean, I was out on the golf course and the flag was literally smacked the top of the flag was smacking the green. It was that windy and they they had to stop play. But it did bring up an interesting conversation that we had before we started the pod which was, you know, wind tends to force guys to have to make changes to their equipment setups. And I think that you will see some guys add I mean, I think the most obvious one is if you're going to play a golf course and it's really windy, and you have a bunch of high-lofted fairway woods, I mean, I would say utility iron is a pretty good way to go. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? It's probably the probably the best option. It's still forgiving. It's going to help you lower the launch. Although we did see during the three-iron, the three-hybrid uh, three and seven-wood test, I mean, that three-hybrid had a really penetrating flight. So yeah. if you've got one with a more forward CG, you could probably get away with hitting that too.
1: That hybrid bought heat. I, I I mean, I, I watched. I mean, I was standing there in and the test, but uh, it was interesting to see how, you know, same delivered loft, same dynamics essentially. What a forward center of gravity, even on a smaller golf club designed for forgiveness, when it's hit in the middle, like the way it's designed, how it, from a gapping perspective, it will fly lower becomes almost like a driving club versus something that is an approach club, which I think is, is kind of the way they've designed it into that, into that line anyways. But yeah, you can definitely create lower spin with those clubs. I mean, I've hit the stealth plus hybrid, which I think is 22 degrees, the one that I have. And it's still like, I'm shocked how low spin it is. It's pretty crazy. So, um, I it, you know, the one that I've tested is slightly shorter. And so I hit down on it like an iron to create some more spin. But if you just, if you shallow it out, just hit it, it just goes, that's the sound. It doesn't make that sound, but like that's kind of like I'm just creating some type of, you know, Every dynamic time here. Golf people, now. That's what people are saying. Yeah.
0: It's
1: more like poof. <laughs> when I hit it. Not so sweet. If that's a thing. So I,
0: I think you're going to see a lot more utility irons this week. I'm going to I'm going to reach out to reps and just see what what the, the big trend was for San Antonio. But I do. I think maybe maybe lower lofted Lower lofted hybrid. A lot of those guys don't like hybrids because they're looking for for something that's anti-left. But I think utility irons will be a a pretty important play this week. Maybe see a tailor-made burner. I know it's out there.
1: We'll have to talk about that next week. We we got so many We said one. I know. know, know.
0: An hour ago. It's very very possible you you could could see that next week. I know. we're, We're an hour in. Let's call it on episode 183 a fully equipped question mark as always if you want more gear news you can check us out, check us out on social media we are at fully underscore equipped on twitter and at fluke golf on instagram we do have a lot to get to next week it is gonna be master's week baby a lot of gear talk that's right fist pumps around thanks as all for listening we'll see you next week